welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Hey, we can give God a bigger shot of praise than that. Let's go. Yeah. Man, a fresh fire. That's the prayer right now. Hey, if you're in the room, thank you for joining us. If you're in the balcony, what's up? It's great to see you. If you could go ahead and say hi to some people. Air high fives. Give them a wave. Say what's up. Welcome them to the party. If you're joining us online, thank you. Um, We'd love to see you in person, but we're thankful for the gift of technology that you can be seen online as well. Well, I guess you can see us. We can't see you, but maybe you could send us a photo. That would be cool. How's everybody doing this morning? We good? I'm good. I'm pumped. The sun is out. Everybody a little tired? You lost an hour of sleep? I was thinking about it. It's like, it's not daylight savings time. It's like daylight trading time. They just trade the hour, right? It wasn't really, it got dark. Anybody else up early? No? That's cool. You're still waking up. We got coffee in the back. This is a participatory place too. We want to hear your shouts down, let us know, like that's good. If it's bad, you can keep that to yourself. But anything good, we'd love to hear it. Amen, right? (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. My name is TJ, if you're a guest with us here. And uh, we're excited to have you with us this morning. We've been in a series called History in the Making, where last week we kicked it off and we got to learn about what it means to live in the wilderness and how Jesus modeled what it looks like when you're in the wilderness, but that we have a weapon, that our weapon in the wilderness is the word of God, that God wants to use his word to penetrate our hearts so that we can respond in any difficult moments in our life, and we can say, you know what, I've got a weapon right now, and I'm responding with that weapon, and I'm excited to see what happens next in the journey. So if you've got your Bibles with us today, we're going to be in John 1, let you find your place there. And if you got a phone with you, Bible app is awesome. It's free. I love to use it. As Melissa mentioned, we love free stuff. Uh, But anybody who maybe hasn't cracked a Bible in a while or is like, man, I wouldn't even know where to get started. John is a great place to get started. He called himself the one that Jesus loved. Like that is a great thing to call yourself, right? And we all have that ability. We talked about that at one point. But this is God's Holy Spirit inspired word. It's a love story about a God that created earth, but because of the fall of man through Adam and Eve, it separated us from God. But then he's been coming after us ever since. And that culminated with Jesus. So as we talk about history in the making, it's about the history of God and his love for us, but that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And not only did he die, but he rose again. And we'll be celebrating that in a few weeks for Easter. I'm excited. Our first Easter in person at Soul Revival Church is going to be amazing. I mean, last year was special. We had a lot of people make it happen online, but it was really cool praying over and and getting excited about the fact that we're going to be in person this year. So if you found your way there, we're going to be in verse 32. And Just to give a little backdrop here, Jesus had been in the wilderness, he's now come back, and then John the Baptist is hanging out with his disciples. And then John gives this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, talking about Jesus. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. I thank you that you are here with us, that you are working and moving, that you've got a plan and a purpose through this morning. I thank you for every person that came in here. 
And I pray that you would help me get out of the way. Holy Spirit, whatever you have to say, whatever words you have for someone's heart this morning, that you would speak directly to them and allow me to back up. So God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to gather in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 If you're taking notes this morning, the title of this message is Word of Mouth. Word of Mouth. You know that's the most powerful marketing tool? Word of Mouth. I don't, if you ever want to do something, like when we first moved back to Racine, it had been a while since we lived in the area, and it's like you start asking people, what's your favorite restaurant? And there's something different about hearing from somebody you know versus just reading reviews. Sometimes you have to just use reviews because nobody that you know has actually bought it from there, but we were asking everybody, what restaurant do you like? What restaurant do you like? We live pretty close to Enficino, so that was dangerous, and that just kind of happened, but you know, growing up on it too, you kind of forget, so... A little backstory myself is I grew up here in Racine. I didn't know Jesus when I lived here. Went off to college, lived in the Chicago suburbs, and then two years ago we moved back to Racine to plant Soul Revival Church. So there's some restaurants that are still here, which is awesome. It's like, man, this just feels like home. And then there's others where we're like, we got to learn about these restaurants. But you ask people, right? Word of mouth. I mean, we did some work on our house recently. Some stuff that needed to be done. And you start asking people what it is. And then as soon as I know that the people that I've gone to or the restaurant that I've enjoyed are good, what's the first thing you do? Tell somebody. Like, man, did you have that pizza? That was delicious. You've never eaten there? Oh, you're missing out. You are missing out. Where do we try Amos tacos? Man, on Main Street, delicious. Their fish tacos, incredible. Now, I just gave them a plug right here. <laughs> They're not paying us for that. That was free. But I'm telling you, we heard about a brand new restaurant open up. We heard about it. We went and tried it. And now I'm telling you. And you might just order it. They got drive up pickup. That's a new thing, right? Can I drive up? Can I pick it up? But word of mouth is so powerful. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, like, what's the word of mouth that I'm listening to? And this was one day where John had shared what he did, sharing his testimony, his story. We get to share our stories to t share with people, like, what's happening in and through our lives. And then the next day comes... And they see Jesus again. And look at how John responds in John 1, 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. He's like, hey, look, it's Jesus. It's the Messiah. It's the guy I told you about last week or yesterday. And then he said, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. His referral meant a lot. And here, I got to give John the Baptist some credit because what he said about himself is, look, he must become greater and I must become less. He had a huge following in the wilderness. He was baptizing people, telling them that they needed to repent. But when he got a word from God, that word of mouth inspired him to say, yep, he's the chosen one. Jesus is the Messiah. So he used his word of mouth to then share with everybody else, like, hey, that's the one. That's the Lamb of God. That's the Son of Man. That is Jesus the Messiah. And his two disciples just went off. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, whose word of mouth are we allowing to speak into our lives? Who is it? Is it friends? Is it family? It could be teachers. It can be people that might not have the best influence on your life. Like people are constantly wanting to give you their word of mouth. People will share with you what they think you should do, where they think you should go, that relationship that, you know, maybe you should pursue or that marriage you should just walk out on. Or that job you should just up and quit. And I'm not saying people have bad intentions. I think a lot of people have good intentions. They're just not God intentions. They're not 
always thinking with the mindset of what does God have for me in this moment? They're just responding based on what they know and what their feelings are telling them. But as we follow Jesus, our faith is more than a feeling. Our faith is a confidence in things hoped for, a belief in things not seen. So it's not to say people don't love you and they don't have your best interests in mind, but we've got to ask ourselves, what word of mouth am I listening to? And his two disciples were like, hey, I trust John. He's coming here. He's speaking the word of God. And if he's saying, that's the Messiah, I'm going to go follow him. And off they go. And then John, as it continues, it says, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And it's like, man, who are these guys? It's telling us what time of day. We don't even know who these guys are following them. They don't even have a name as far as we know yet. But Jesus is like, hey, come check it out. I love how Jesus responds. They're following him, and he turns to him like, can I help you? You ever have somebody just following you? As a parent, it happens all the time. Kids just following you like, can I help you? can I get some food? <laughs> and Jesus, I just see like with this loving tenderness, like, can I help you? Like, man, we heard rabbi, like, you're the Messiah. All right, well, come. Come see what it looks like to follow me. So they go with Jesus and spend the whole day with him because now it's 4 p.m. The day just got away with them. And they're like, all right, well, I'm spending time with Jesus. And I feel like I'm going where I'm supposed to go because this is with the word of mouth that I heard about was supposed to be. And we've got to look at our own lives and say, who are we following? Who are the people that we're willing to just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to follow you and see where you're headed because I, I'm kind of intrigued about this. Because the people that you follow are the people that you'll end up becoming. The people you follow are the people that you will end up becoming. And in John 1.40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. See, this is cool. Now we found out somebody, Andrew. That's Peter's brother. And what's also cool about the way that the book is written is that in John, he never refers to himself by John. He never says, here's who I am. So it's also historically accurate that it would have been John and Andrew. They were hanging out. They were the two that were hanging out with Jesus that day. And they were following Jesus. But Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard about John. And he said, who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Man, the word of mouth. What would happen? Like what's, some of you in here have made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus before. He steps into a relationship with Jesus. He starts following Jesus. And the first thing he has to do is tell his brother. He couldn't contain himself. He had to go and tell him. He had to say, you know what? Hey, I just met the Messiah and you've got to come check it out. Are we living with that kind of faith? Are we living in a place where we're like, you know what? I had an encounter with the Messiah. I had an encounter with Jesus, the Son of God. And then we just go home and we go back to whatever we were doing. And it's like, man, let's take a note from Andrew. Andrew, he's the same dude that brought that little boy over to Jesus with the five loaves of bread and two fish. Andrew's always inviting people to come check out Jesus. Like, hey, I was, I was in his presence and I was forever changed and I want you to be changed too. 
don't, don't shortchange the people you love. And it can be intimidating. It can be challenging to say, I'm gonna go tell somebody about Jesus and what he just did to me because you don't know how someone's going to respond. But that's the beauty of it. We're not responsible for their response. We're responsible for ours. We're responsible for what God wants to do through our lives, what he wants us to communicate, what he wants us to share. And he's a big God. You don't have to defend him. You don't have to stick up for God. You can be like, hey, guess what? This is what God did in my life. Same way that John the Baptist did. This was his testimony. This is my story of what Jesus has done in my life. But let's see how Peter responds. Just look at him. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. So that's why if you're reading the Bible, sometimes you'll see Simon, sometimes you'll see Peter. His name was Simon. And Jesus said, Your name is now Peter, which means rock. Jesus is not only a game changer, but he's a name changer. Whatever your name is, whatever you're going to say, you know what, I'm this old person, so God's not going to accept me. I've made too many mistakes, mistakes in my life, so God's not going to accept me. Jesus doesn't care about me because I did that thing last week that nobody else knows about and it's eating away at me. And he's like, nope, that's cool because you know what, I want to change your name. I've got a new plan for your life, and I want to change it. I'm calling the good things out of you. So let's put the old things to death and call the new things to life. And that's what he spoke to him in this moment. He's like, your name is now Peter. Your name is now Rock. Man, Jesus is a game changer, but he's a name changer. He wants to change your name. He wants to change the situations that you're in to say, you know what, I've got a better plan for your life. There's something else that I have for you that's greater than anything you could imagine. But don't, don't let that pass. Don't let that old thing hold you down or keep you back. Don't let it happen. And the next, the next day, so Jesus is like, hey, I've got people coming and hanging out with me. Lives are being changed. And the next day, he's like, you know what? I need to go back to Galilee. And he found Philip. And he goes up to Philip and says, hey, follow me. Now, word of mouth has been getting to spread in this region. Jesus has been performing miracles. He's been bringing dead people to life spiritually. People have been following him and everyone's talking about it. This word of mouth that continues to move around. So as he had an encounter with Philip, Philip's like, all right. <laughs> Jesus, this is Jesus everybody's been talking about. I'll follow him. And he was from the same hometown as Andrew and Peter and John for that matter. So he's from that same space. So again, that word continues to spread. Man, I was challenged this week because I'm like, is the word of who Jesus is continuing to spread in the people that I know? Am I sharing that with everybody that I know? Am I letting people know about who Jesus did? Like, man, come see what Jesus just did. Come be a part of what Jesus just did. Because he told me to come and follow him. And I want to follow him so badly, but who else am I bringing with to follow him with me? Because when Philip, when Philip encounters Jesus, he got the word of mouth straight from the word, who is Jesus. That's what we talked about last week, because the word was there in the beginning. The word was God and he was with God, but he made his dwelling among us, and that's Jesus. So he's hearing the word of God speak to him, and he has to respond. Jesus was awesome and magnetic, like 
There are some times people are like, man, I don't want to step into a church. I don't want to go around any Christians because I'm going to feel condemned. And I'm like, oh, we missed the point because Jesus, everybody flocked to him. Wherever Jesus was, people wanted to go because they were like, man, there was just something magnetic about him. Even if you didn't identify that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. That's why he's that magnetic. There's some people in your life that are that magnetic, and I bet if you had a conversation, you'd find out they know Jesus. Something attractive about people that are following Jesus. Something that just makes you want to get close to him because like, man, I don't know what that is that they have, but I want it. Don't be afraid to ask how they got it. But Philip follows Jesus. And then guess what, guess what Philip did? He found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses has wrote about and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Man, he had to tell somebody. Anybody feeling that today? Like, who am I going to go tell after today? I'm ready. Are you? Guess what, though? Guess how Nathaniel responded? Is he pumped? Is he like, yes, let's go. Is he going to follow the same way that Peter did? <laughs> Check it out. Nazareth, can anything good come from here? Again, Philip, he didn't care. Jesus just transformed him. He just had an interaction that would change his life. So he had to share it. So it's not, the response is not always going to be a welcome one. I'll just tell you that, but that is okay. Again, we're not responsible for their response. We're responsible for ours. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But watch how he responds. He said, come and see. Come and see. He didn't have to defend him. He didn't have to say, you know what? I, he told me this. He did this. Nothing else. Just come and see for yourself. And sometimes that's all you have to tell somebody. Come and see. And that's all it's going to take. They've been waiting for an invitation. Waiting for somebody to be like, man, you matter enough. Because let me tell you, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, which I do with 100% of my heart, if you know that people don't know him, how can you not tell them? Because the love that Jesus had for me when he met me in my brokenness, I want people to encounter that same thing. I want them to feel the redemption that God has for their life right now, but also for the eternity to come. Because he'll meet us in our brokenness. He'll meet us in our most difficult and challenging times. And he's saying, you know what? Come follow me. And when you follow Jesus, something stirs within you. You're like, man, I want other people to know it. And that's what Philip did, despite what Nathaniel's response was. It didn't matter. He said, just come and see for yourself. Maybe you can tell some friends that. Come and see for yourself. Come and learn about this Jesus. Come and learn about how much he loves you and what he's willing to do for you because he meets you with grace and mercy, neither of which we deserve. Did Nathaniel, you think he went? <laughs> he did. Spoiler alert. <laughs> when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. God will call the potential out of you before you even think you've met him. He already knows your heart. He knows everything about you and he loves you. Here's a man with no deceit. And his response is like, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip even called you. The fig tree represented in those times, that's where people would go and spend time meditating over God's word. They'd be studying scripture. 
So he's studying God's word under the fig tree, and Jesus is like, I am the word. I was with you right there. I saw you right there. I saw that you went and spent that time alone with me when no one was watching. It's what God does when no one's looking in our lives that has the impact when everybody's there. He's like, man, I saw you when you were spending time with me under that fig tree. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Something hit him in that moment like, man, how did you even know I was there? And he'll do that. He'll do that in our lives, whether you're following him now or maybe you haven't made that decision yet. But he'll point things out in your heart and just let you know that he's there and that he knows and that he cares about you. He is the God of abundantly more. And he's like, I have so much more for your life. And I'm just saying, come and follow me. Nathaniel telling him, like, that is who you are. And Jesus' response, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Started with the referral. Started with a word of mouth. Started with the boldness of Philip to declare, come and check it out. Come and see for yourself. And now you have someone that just like, I believe in who Jesus is. A life-altering moment. What if he never asked him? See, I know who God is and, and how he works everything for his good. So I don't doubt for a minute that at some point Nathaniel would have had another opportunity. How many opportunities have each of us had? But he's inviting us to be a part of it. When you can be the one to help share that news and you see someone have an interaction with Jesus, you're like, wow, God used me just by saying, come see. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. God used me just to say, come see. You can have that bar, whoever's writing some music, you can have it. But that's all it took. He didn't have to argue his faith because a lot of times as Christians, we can get caught up in arguing this or that or what the Bible says about this and about that. But I'm just like, man, what did Jesus say? He said, love God and love people. The Holy Spirit will convict hearts. And we don't need to stand up for God. He's a big God. Nathaniel's life altered in that moment. See, and they were heading back to Galilee because look, now we're going to jump into Mark. See, his, this is also what's fun right now. What I'm doing for you this morning is I'm piecing together all four Gospels. So the Gospels, Gospel means good news. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the stories of Jesus written by different authors. So we're piecing together in all four Gospels, because sometimes you'll read in different places and say, oh, I thought I read that there, or this sounds different than there. So we're piecing that together this morning, so we can hear this story of Jesus calling his first disciples to follow him. So in John 151, my bad, Mark 1, mark my words, I'm in Mark 1. After John was put in prison, so again, John the Baptist, the one that his word of mouth sparked some things. Jesus was traveling, having encounters with people, changing lives, and then he hears that John the Baptist was put into prison. So he's going back to Galilee, and that's where he met Philip. That's where he was connecting with these different people. And Jesus went into Gal Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent 
and believe the good news. John the Baptist said, I, I came to pave the way for the light. So he spoke about repentance. But Jesus comes with a new repentance. He comes with the repentance. And repentance is not a nasty word. It's not a swear word. It's not a word to get you on edge and make you feel uncomfortable and awkward. Repentance just means to turn in the other direction. So we're talking about turning toward God. So he's saying, turn to me and believe in the good news. Believe in the gospel. Believe that I am who I say I am. Repent and turn to me. And then he starts walking. He pulls up to a beach. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now here's the thing. He already met Peter and Andrew. Remember? Andrew met him, went and told his brother Peter, who then brought him. Changed Peter's name, changed his life. But for some reason, they went back to fishing. This is an encouragement for somebody out there today who are like, man, I was following Jesus, but for whatever reason, I went back to what I was used to. I got caught back in whatever my, my flesh was telling me that I needed or that I desired. And you need to know today that like Jesus isn't looking at you saying, well, you fell away. I'm done with you. He continues to pursue us. He showed up on that beach where Peter and Andrew were. He showed up on the same beach where John and James were. James is John's brother. Like he showed up in this space knowing that he was going to see them. Jesus will keep popping up in your life regardless if you're following him or not. And I don't know the circumstances that made them go back to fishing. It can be scary to step into your purpose, though. I know that for sure. Anybody else feel me out there? When you're feeling called to go do something different? But for whatever reason, they're back, and here they are, fishing again. And in Luke 5, it gives us some more details around this. And it says, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So the word of mouth continues to spread. And now here he is on the beach. He identified Peter and Andrew. People are crowding around him. So he's like, oh man, where am I going to go? I'm, I'm imagining North Beach right now, you know? You're standing right on the water's edge and you're like, oh, oh. And if you're me, I'm like, I'll take my shoes off. I don't want to get sand in them. Barefoot, get into the water a little bit. And guess what Jesus does in Luke 5, 2? He saw at the water's edge two boats. They were there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Guess what fishermen? He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which is Peter. So it's Peter and Andrew's boat. And he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus will meet you exactly where you're at. The word of mouth will continue to spread, but he met them right where they're at like, hey, I told you to follow me before, but I'll sit in your boat now. And I'm going to use your boat. I'm going to use what you thought you went back to to help preach the gospel to some people. I'm going to use the things that you thought you were just going back to in a worldly perspective, and I'm still going to use it for my good. God will use any circumstance you're in to still use it for his good. And then, after he's done preaching, he's like, all right, go ahead and cast your nets out this side of the boat. And they're professional fishermen. The reason why they were washing their nets as Jesus approached is because you fished at night. That's how you caught the fish. They came out at nighttime, and they had caught nothing. 
Now here it is the middle of the day and you got a carpenter telling the fisherman how to fish. Sometimes you think God doesn't understand your life and what you're going through and all that. Man, he knows it better than you could imagine. He's like, hey, just throw it off the side. And Peter, because he had been with him before, spent some time with him, got his name changed by him. was like, all right, I'll listen to you. We haven't caught anything, but I'll do it. Throws it over the side and then boom, before you know it, he's calling help from his friends in the other boat. Yo, John and James, I need your help. When you're reading the Bible, it says a little differently, but this is how my mind envisions it. <laughs> Come on, man, there's so much fish here. Can you believe it? So then they work together and they pull in the greatest load of fish ever pulled up. Like, wow, this isn't even the right time. Sometimes, some of you are like, man, this isn't the right time for me to, to follow Jesus. He'll show you otherwise. And they pull in all these fish. They're about to have a feast, right? About to go eat some good food? I like fish. Nope, that's not what happens. See, when, when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You ever have God do something good in your life and you're like, man, I'm a sinful person. I don't deserve this. Why did he bless me right now? I, I shouldn't have received that blessing. Watch how Jesus responds. See, because everyone was astonished. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid for now. From now on, you will fish for people. And in Mark 1.17, it says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. And this is something that we got to get. This is a moment that I want to make sure that we pinpoint right now. Because there's a difference between having faith and following Jesus. Having faith, a confidence in things hoped for and a belief in things unseen. Anybody can be like, yeah, I believe in who Jesus is. But to make the decision to follow him is a completely different thing. It's a much more scary thing. But there is so much fruit and excitement and joy on the other side of it. It's easy for us to believe, but how easy is it for us to leave? But like, hey, I'm in. Jesus, whatever you say, I'm ready to do it. Jesus will come to you and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Bible, it's just like a text. You know someone texts you and they just send you a K and you're like, K, huh? Can't even put the O with the K? And you try to judge tone in a text message. Sometimes we put tone into the Bible and we don't listen to it through the character of who Jesus is. Because he doesn't rebuke you saying, do not fear. He's like, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm for you and I'm not against you. There's a plan for your life and I'm alongside you right now. And I can see that you have faith in who I am. I don't think for a second Andrew and Peter forgot who Jesus was. There was just some fear that was holding them back from following him. And at what point are we going to say, you know what? I want my faith to be so strong that Jesus, I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead me. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. They come up on the shore and they follow him. It's like somebody just said, you won this million dollar lottery, I'm speaking to the fish, but they're willing to walk away because they know Jesus is so much more valuable. 
The thing they were working all night to get and didn't get a thing. But right then, Jesus blesses them and they're still willing to walk away from it all. Because some clicked for him in that moment. Some told them that right now is the time that I need to follow Jesus. The word of mouth that came straight from the word guided them into a new terrain. I'm about to go fish for some people. All you got to do, come see. Let some people know, come see. Lives are altered. Word of mouth. And I love it because Jesus, Jesus didn't look at Peter and he didn't even respond to him saying he was not worthy. His response was to speak into his purpose. Just come follow me. Come see what I've got for you. And that's not where it ends though. Because then Jesus goes off and he starts healing all kinds of people. He's preaching in the synagogue. He goes back to Peter's house, hangs out with him, heals his mother-in-law who was sick. Word of mouth spreads, so then everybody shows up at the door like, hey, can you heal me? He wasn't even upset by it. It's cool. You can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to heal me. There's some things in my heart that I need you to work on because I can't do it on my own. Sometimes that's the first step, being able to say I can't do it on my own and I know that I can't do it on my own. So Jesus, I want to follow you because I know that you can. And as he's going and he's healing people, in Luke 5, 27, it says, after this. And the this and the after this is he had just, that's, that's the part in the Bible where they drop, the friends drop the guy down on the mat in the middle of the room where he's preaching. And he's like, hey, get up and walk. First he says, I forgive you your sins, haters hate. And then he says, well, would it be better if I just said get up and walk? And he walks. And it's like, well, after this, (laughs) after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. What's important here is like to us, it's like, oh, tax collector, we all pay taxes, state, federal, bunch of other taxes that just come out of my paycheck, like 12 different itemized things. Man. But a tax collector in those days was somebody that was looked down upon big time by the Jewish people. Because it was someone that was Jewish, but they signed up to work for Rome. Like, hey, I'll go collect taxes for you. Not only would they collect the taxes for them, but they would overcharge them. That's how they made their money. Like, oh, your tax is 10? Rome wants 10. Hey, can I get 20? I need 20. All right. 50? 50? Hey, I need 100. You got me? No? You want my money then? I'll give you. But that's how tax collectors work. So they were seen as the lowest of the lows. Like they betrayed their culture. They betrayed their people. So they were thought of so terribly. And I'm sharing this with you because it's in the Bible but because it's important and that's why we see it there because Jesus will meet anybody right where they're at. I don't care how bad you think that you are. There is nothing that will discount you from the love of God. We're all broken and imperfect. No one is perfect, not even one except Jesus. And he, he evens the playing field for us. Like nobody's worthy of his love. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. So when Jesus died and rose again for us and our salvation, he's saying Levi gets that too. 
I'm gonna ask our worship team to come up. I promise I'm closing, we're getting there, but this is important. Are you willing to leave your past behind to step into your purpose? Because there's a moment that we have to say yes and get rid of all the excuses on why we're not willing to do it. Because he'll meet everybody exactly where they're at. Met Levi exactly where he was at. Guess what, guess what Levi did? His name is also Matthew. So if you're reading in the book of Matthew, the author of that is Levi. He had two different names. A lot of times you'd have a Roman name and you'd have your Jewish name. So he's Levi or Matthew. But he held a great banquet for Jesus at his home. And guess who came? A large crowd of tax collectors and, and sinners were eating with him. Tax collectors and sinners. I want to have a party where nobody knows Jesus and they're just coming to hang out. Like that's what Jesus wanted to do. One of my favorite questions to ask people is like, hey, if Jesus were here right now, would he rather hang out with you or me? I was like, oh, he'd rather hang out with you. I've got all these issues. And like, man, that's exactly why he'd rather hang out with you. That's where he wants to be. Jesus is at a party hanging out with Levi and all the sinners and tax collectors. He shows up to the places you don't think that anybody would want to step into. And he shows up to this party. Man, the word of mouth is going. And, and Jesus is moving and he's saying, just follow me and let other people know about it too because I want them to follow me and I know what I can do through all of you. See, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Man, that's heartbreaking because if they truly knew this, the heart of God and who he was, they would not be judging this moment. But that Jesus is always calling out the religious type. We're not about a religion. We're about a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the living God that he calls us into. Where he says, I don't care about your mistakes. I don't care how many things you've done wrong. I will meet you where you're at and I will love you no matter what. And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The way that I interpret that is like, hey, because we're all sick, we're all sinners. And he was trying to make a point by letting him know, but he's just standing there with his arms open wide and saying, man, I'm calling on the people that are broken just to turn and come to me because I'm here for them. I want to wrap my arms around them. I want them to know that they are loved, that I will meet them exactly where they're at, that I've got a plan for their life, but I've come for them. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Our words matter. How we use them matters. But you need to know that the word is telling you to come see. He's telling you, follow me. Some of you, you've never made that decision before to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. There's no rule book to follow. There's no certain steps you have to check off to get there. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. 
That's all that's required is believing in your heart that Jesus came and died for you. But that he didn't stay there, he rose again. And that someday we'll get to spend an eternity with him. But in the meantime, he sent his spirit to live in our hearts to lead and guide our lives so that we can tell people, come see. We can be part of something greater than ourselves. And we never want to miss a moment to give an opportunity for people to respond to that. So I want to ask everyone in the room here, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, this is a safe space. But I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if you feel like God's speaking to your heart right now, and you say, yes, I believe in who Jesus is, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shoot your arm up. See, because something that's so incredible about who God is, is like, man, he's working and moving in our hearts. And the moment you, in your mind, accept that, your life has changed. But when you can make that outward sign of what God's done internally, there's something about that that's just like, yes, I believe. So one, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He will meet you where you're at and you will never be the same. Two, going forward, he's saying, come follow me because I love you and I've got the best intent for you. And three, if that's you in this space today, could you shoot your hand in the air? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There is a celebration taking place in heaven right now for each person that made that decision today. There are angels having a party and that we get to be a part of that here is so incredible. But I want to pray for everyone that just made that decision and you can pray along with me in your heart. God, I thank you. I thank you that you meet us where we're at. God, we are sorry for the ways that we fall short, but we are so thankful that you give us mercy that we don't even deserve. God, we believe that you sent Jesus to die for us and that after he died, he rose again and now he's seated on high next to you. And Lord, we thank you so much for everyone in this space that made that decision today to step into relationship with you. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.